Welcome to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. I'm Alexis Christophorus. President Trump's protectionist trade agenda has some economists worried about a downturn. But for now, the Trump economy is pretty robust. That's according to the Yahoo Finance Trumponomics report card. And here to talk about that and the Trump economy overall is Yahoo Finance's senior columnist, Rick Newman. Rick, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. You bet. All right. So first off, the Trump economy has earned a grade of what? B. Uh, and it's been at that's the le- sol- that's solid. It's very solid, and it's been at that level for five months. Uh, it has been a little bit higher. Uh, a couple of months in the uh, year or so that we've been tracking the Trump economy and running this Trumponomics report card. Uh, but uh, basically, he has settled out at a B economy for now. So just for, for folks who are not familiar, what is your Trumponomics report card based on? Yep. So we are measuring uh, the Trump economy based on six economic indicators, uh, total employment, manufacturing employment, earnings, exports, uh, S&P 500, which is the level of the stock market, and real GDP per capita. And we're getting help from Moody's Analytics, which is crunching the numbers for us. Mm-hmm. And what we're doing is we're comparing all of those things uh, under under President Trump with seven prior presidents at the same point in their presidency. So what we're basically doing is we're measuring Trump against other first-term presidents going all the way back to uh, Jimmy Carter in the 1970s and saying, how's he doing compared to them? That's how we're coming up with the grade, which is how he does – Uh, compared to those prior presidents. And this is strictly quantitative. This is just what the numbers tell us. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are not making any judgments in this grade. So let's dig a little deeper into the report card. In what areas of the economy is Trump just, you know, running past the competition, as it were? Well, this is kind of surprising. Uh, The one area where he's doing best is in manufacturing employment. uh, And that is total number of jobs added in manufacturing uh, since Trump took office. He ranks second out of uh, seven seven presidents in that regard. Uh, On total employment, he ranks third out of seven presidents. Uh, And on the other indicators, it's a little more mixed. Uh, So, uh, uh, you know, he's just doing really well on employment. Uh, And I think it's not necessarily because of anything Trump himself has done. I mean, uh, the uh, pace of job growth under Trump has been about the same as it was during the last couple of years under President Obama. So to some extent, uh, President Trump is a beneficiary of an economy that was improving and is perhaps getting even stronger now. So uh, that's my next question. Are there any actual policies that Trump has instituted that are directly correlated to strengthen the economy that you can see? Well, Trump would say, absolutely. Of course. Of course he would he would take credit for this. Uh, I think what Trump would say is his tax cuts and uh, his deregulatory efforts have made it easier to do business in the United States. I mean, he has said that. Um, he's, you know, he famously says, America is open for business again, as if America was closed for business until he took office on January 20th, 2017. That's not the case. Much, much of this is a trend that has been underway for some time. Uh, is there any actual evidence uh, that shows that uh, the tax cuts, which Trump signed at the end of 2017, have actually led to more hiring? I think it's very hard to make that connection Uh, especially when you see that the pace of job growth, as I said before, has been pretty consistently strong for the last three or four years. Um, I've also been looking at uh, whether there's any evidence that companies are beginning to spend more uh, on new facilities or hiring more people or, or whatever that might be as a result of the tax cuts. And there's not much evidence of that yet. So Uh, there's probably, it's hard to make the case that those policies have actually helped uh, with hiring, 
But Trump's going to take credit for it anyway, and he's going to get credit for it from some people. Is it is it right to give him credit? I know that you've gotten some emails and mail from from viewers who don't necessarily agree with that. Yeah, we get all kinds of people riled up. Uh, we get the um, that's Trump, what you do, right? We, we get the Trump base saying, "See, he's making America great again. It's working. Trump policies are working." We get Trump detractors who say, "How can you be, give, be giving him credit for the economy when it was really President Obama who got this whole ball rolling?" Um, I don't make a judgment about whether it's right or wrong <laughs> to give. Trump credit for the way the economy is doing. I just think it's reality that the president does get credit or blame for what's happening in the economy. You know, we know that the economy evolves uh, over long periods of time. It's not, it's not often that a policy that goes into effect in May affects the economy directly in June. It just doesn't really work that way. There's so many things, <laughs> forces at work in the economy. They take years to play out. Uh, but which it doesn't could be matter. Why, which could be why oftentimes the way a president starts out his term is not the way he ends it, because that's a four-year period where things can materially change. Yeah, that's a great point. And in fact, uh, many times uh, presidential terms do not end the way they start. Uh, one thing that's interesting is uh, – so we're now in about the 18th month of the Trump presidency. And the, no one would guess this, but the president who had the sort of strongest performance on the economy by the measures we're looking at mm-hmm. – during his first 18 months was actually Jimmy Carter no, in the, ni- in the I can't 19 believe no, it. no one believes that and the reason is the Carter presidency ended badly and that's what we uh, remember <laughs> that's right and there was terrible inflation back then uh, and the stock market was in the doldrums in the 1970s but um, Carter took office when uh, when the economy was in recovery phase uh, and we used to have so-called v-shaped recoveries back then so that you'd lose a lot of workers would lose their jobs but once the uh, recession was over, most of those workers would get hired right back and you'd see a big rebound in employment. And that's what happened in the early uh, months of the Carter economy. So uh, so Jimmy Carter is coming out to uh, be sort of first in some of these metrics we're looking at, of course, as, as uh, time goes on. And we're now in the second and third and fourth year of the Trump presidency. He will uh, – well, I don't know how he'll look compared with Jimmy Carter, but Jimmy Carter will no – he will no longer sort of be – uh, the first, you know, ranking number one in terms of some of these economic parameters. I want to go back to jobs growth and how Trump compares just to prior presidents because um, earnings growth, well, earnings, let's talk about earnings for a moment. Um, at the 18-month point, we're actually stronger under Presidents Obama and George H.W. Bush and Carter. Um, but yet we're seeing this strong, strong job growth. So it, it does sort of make the connection for us. Sure. Uh, this has actually been a weak link in the overall economic recovery, which is that uh, earnings have lagged. I mean, we've seen very uh, weak earnings growth. And even now, you know, we're in now in the 10th year of a recovery and we're getting excited about average hourly earnings that are going up a whopping 2.7 percent <laughs> per year. Uh, that's not much. We'll take what we can get. Um, that's not much, but that that is part of an overall trend we've seen over the last 20 years. I mean, we've seen a very worrisome flattening of um, median uh, household income, for example, uh, and that 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 one number, just uh, in you know, however you want to measure earnings, that tells you a lot about what's happening in the United States economically and also and even culturally and socially because. Uh, uh, incomes really have stagnated, and that means living standards are not going up nearly as fast as they used to, and they're actually going down for a significant number of people. Uh, th- it's very hard to pinpoint exactly why that's happening. It's not a single thing. It's mm-hmm. probably a lot of different things. It explains <clears throat> why there's still a lot of dis- dissatisfaction in the United States, even though the economy is otherwise pretty strong. 
You know, job growth is strong, but earnings growth is not strong. Uh, and it was stronger in the past, and it probably has a lot less to do with any presidential policy. I mean, it was strong under Bill Clinton, but I don't think it's because Bill Clinton did anything in particular to boost earnings growth. I think it was just a different type of economy back then. Um, and uh, economists are kind of puzzled about that. What about the stock market under President Trump? We know it surged uh, immediately after the election in 2016, but how does Trump rank with his predecessors when it comes to stock market performance? Yeah, out of the seven presidents, uh, the stock market Trump ranks third um, in terms of stock market performance. And I'm trying to who who did it, who do you have it here? Who did, who did better? Uh, well, I'm Obama did, there. and H.W. Yeah, so you think to yourself. How could the stock market have done better under Obama, Mm -hmm. who came into office in the middle of this terrible recession? Uh, Well, that has a lot to do with it. It's just timing. I mean, the stock market bottomed out in March of 2009, which which was just Obama's basically his third month in office. And then it started a, um, on, a, on a bull market tear that continues to this day. So uh, in that regard, I mean, that just tells you how much timing has to do with it. But wouldn't you agree that while a president does largely inherit the economy he's given, uh, and some things are sort of not within his power, in fact, we learn a lot of things are not within his power, but it is really his or maybe someday hers uh, to mess up, if you will, or to improve. Because over their four-year term, they could take a bad situation to make it worse or make a good situation to make it better. Yes, I think that's a good point. And uh, I, would, I, I think it's fair to say by, let's say, the third year uh, of a president's first term, the economy fully belongs to him. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I think we overstate the power the president has over the economy because there is this thing called the business cycle, and we just have expansions and contractions uh, that we just know that is a natural part of a free market economy that has been happening as long as capitalism has existed. Uh, the Federal Reserve probably has more power over the economy than the president does. Uh, but the president can certainly do some things. And President Trump is unusual in uh, some of the ways he has he is intervening in the co- in the economy, especially trade. Um, and, uh, you know, he's he's had an aggressive tax cut in place. Uh I think his deregulatory efforts are a little harder to measure. Um, but the one that is now getting so much attention is trade, which you mentioned at the top of the podcast. Uh, and I think it's quite plausible that by the third year of his presidency, let's say, we will be seeing some impact of his trade policies. I don't know if they'll I, – I think they're more likely to be negative than positive. Um, but so far, we're not seeing – uh, much impact or perhaps any impact showing up in the numbers we're following for this Trumponomics report card, but it's quite likely, quite possible we could. As if if the if trade tensions uh, escalate, you're thinking it, it might have a material yeah, effect. Yeah, and, and I'll connect the dots. Um, <clears throat> so uh, t- uh, trade protectionism generally lowers growth on both sides. Um, there's just a little less economic activity because the barriers to trade go up. Um, now, we've seen uh, some microcosmic examples of the negative effects of trade with Harley-Davidson, for example, mm-hmm. uh, saying, well, because Europe retaliated against the Trump tariffs with a new tariff on motorcycles, we are no longer going to make the motorcycles we export to Europe here in the United States. We're going to make them outside the United States. It's just too expensive. So that's a small – that's right. So, um, so they'll make them at some foreign factory where they will be able to send them to Europe without the tariff – or with a much lower tariff than applies to motorcycles that would go from the United States to Europe. So if more companies do that workaround, 
our economy can get hurt. Well, what happens? So that's fewer Americans are going to be employed by Harley Davidson making motorcycles for export to Europe. That work is going to go overseas. So again, that's a that's a one example of how it, how tariff policy is not adding to U.S. employment; it's actually detracting from U.S. employment. Um, so most economists think that based where based on where we are with uh, Trump's tr- uh, tariffs and then the retaliatory tariffs, relatively small for now. But Trump has threatened tariffs that are uh, you know on let's say at least ten times. Uh, as much imports as he has actually imposed tariffs on so far, that would be a m- major ratcheting up of the trade war. And it's reasonable to think uh, the trading partners would retaliate exactly as they have already. And suddenly, we've got something that might cause a serious slowdown in growth and a serious slowdown in hiring. And we've also seen anecdotal examples of big companies saying, um, you know, we are considering uh, investing in new factories here. So we've got this nice tax cut that's making it um, more, uh, you know, more enticing to do business in the United States. But on the other hand, if we build stuff here for export, there's a good chance we're going to have to pay these new tariffs. Right, so sort of counteracts going. So, yeah, the benefits yeah, of Electrolux the is an, an example of a company that has said um, we're actually putting plans on hold until we see uh, expansion plans on hold until we see how this plays out. And, you know, the the sort of more Trump escalates this, the more companies are going to be doing that. What would Trump have to do to raise his Trumponomics grade from a B to, say, a, a B plus? Uh, right. So um, improvement in exports would help. Uh, I think uh, the other thing is earnings. If he could really get, mm. if, if, if we saw a big, uh, you know, a meaningful improvement in earnings. And that's just when I'm looking at the numbers, all the data that's behind our uh, our, our grade here. Um, so again, on earnings, Trump only ranks fourth out of the seven presidents. It is possible we will <clears throat> we will see some higher earnings in the future because that is what economists keep saying should be happening as we're seeing so much hiring and the unemployment rate going down and more people coming into the labor force. I mean, uh, companies, you know, according to theory, uh, are supposed to pay more as it gets harder to find workers. Um, it's not so a happening rise as, in income would help his grade as well. Uh, yeah, worker you, income. that's right. Worker in wages. The, the, what we measure is average hourly earnings that comes out of the labor depart- department. Uh, the other thing that could help um, Trump's grade go up is uh, higher GDP growth, which is quite possible. We're going to, by the end of July, we're going to uh, get the GDP numbers for the second quarter. They're probably going to be pretty good. Um, <clears throat> most forecasts put them put that number at around 3%. It could be a little bit higher. Um, that's probably not sustainable. Um, there are some one-time reasons why it will will hit 3% for a couple of quarters. The tax cuts have something to do with it. There's also been an increase in government spending um, that will peter out after a couple of quarters. By the way, that's one of the things that worries economists looking into mid to late 2019 or 2020 when uh, a fair number of economists think we could actually be heading for a recession. Uh, but that's probably at least a year off. But Trump could very likely have a recession on his hands during his administration. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to watch these numbers uh, uh, through 2019 and mm-hmm. 2020. And obviously the timing matters quite a lot because if, we have the next presidential election in 2020. That's what I was going to say. If, if we were to fall into recession toward the back end of Trump's presidency, how does that set him up for reelection? Well, it sets him up poorly. Uh, and I think it's you know instructive to look at what's hap- uh, sort of voter attitudes today. I mean, the economy could almost could not be better right now uh, than it is. Now it has been better in the past, but I think given some of the current limitations, I mean we've been in a sort of low growth environment really around the world for the last fifteen or twenty years. Uh, productivity growth has been weak. That's that matters a lot, um, and that's one reason we don't see higher GDP growth. But the economy right now 
is almost as good as it is is going to get. Mm-hmm. Um, and still, Trump's approval rating is in the low 40s. Um, I mean, that's pretty extraordinary. I mean, if this if Trump were what you might call a normal president, uh, his approval rating would be in the 60s or maybe even the 70s. If Trump uh, would have just signed his tax cut, continued with his deregulatory push, and forgotten about all this trade stuff, the stock market would probably be higher. Uh, Americans would be feeling better yet, and his approval rating would be higher. He is a true believer in trade protectionism, and he's doing himself some harm. Uh, And even that tax cut, Republicans seem quite puzzled and somewhat alarmed that the tax cut is unpopular. Uh, You know, know, their talking point is we cut taxes for just about every working family – um, and yet nobody seems to appreciate it. <laughs> what did and we do why, wrong? And why is that? I mean, what's the psyche, you think? of the, I, Do I, they I think, think that the, the, the big corporations are still being favored over them? Uh, yep, that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reality is that most of the tax cut did go to corporations and businesses and not to ordinary people. Mm-hmm. I think that was a strategic mistake. They did not have to cut uh, the corporate tax rate as low as they did, 21%, in order to get the benefits. They could have cut it to 25 or even 27%. Uh, and still created a you know a strong incentive for uh, corporations to do more business in the United States, uh, and then given some of the rest of the tax cut to you know especially middle class families, wealthy people didn't need a tax cut. <laughs> in my opinion, it would have been more politically popular if they had not cut the top tax rate and perhaps let's say the top two tax rates. Just leave them there mm-hmm. because the wealthy are doing fine. Don't raise them. They leave didn't them need there. help. Don't raise them. Just right. leave them there. Mm-hmm. And you know then you could actually call it a middle class tax cut. But <laughs> I think most people, you know, the press around the tax cut has not been very good. Um, people think it was a cut for businesses and nothing for uh, ordinary people. And they're, they're actually not seeing it in their paychecks. And what about some blue states like California and New York? Uh, some higher earning folks in those states got dinged pretty hard by the tax cuts. That's because of the uh, reduction in the amount of, amount of, uh, of taxes you can uh, deduct for, uh, for your uh, mortgage interest. Right. Um, now limited to $10,000, the so-called uh, SALT deduction. Uh, and by the way, it's not just blue states. <laughs> there are more people in blue states simply because blue states tend to be places where uh, real estate is more expensive. So your mortgage is going to be higher and you're going to have more interest to deduct. But that's there are people in Texas who are going to um, you know, get a much smaller deduction. There are, I've interviewed, I interviewed an accountant in Iowa hmm. who said he's got a lot of clients who are going to be dealing with this. They're everywhere. They're in every state. So small, you think he alienated small, those people? So it depends um, – if it depends how their tax bill is going to shake out, so uh, when they and then they, we're not going to know this until they do actually do their taxes or at least estimate their taxes for 2018 because mm-hmm. it was not in effect for 2017. Um, but for the meanwhile, in the meantime, it's a it's it's a problem because people see one big benefit, one big tax break going away. And it, many people haven't yet calculated what they will gain from the tax rates going down overall. Uh, some other people will benefit from um, the reduction in the alternative minimum tax, which was kind of a, an added tax if you were in a certain sort of medium-high t- uh, tax bracket. Mm-hmm. So that'll help some people, but no one's really going to know this, I think, until they're actually doing their taxes in you know the first few months of 2019 for 2018. So that's after the midterms, notably. <laughs> that, that is true. Perhaps good timing for the Trump administration. We shall see. But uh, for now, at least, Trump's grade on the economy, a steady B. We know that you're going to be following this and tracking it for us. We'll have you back on with another Trumponomics report card soon enough. Rick Newman, senior columnist at Yahoo Finance. Thanks so much. Always fun, Alexis. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. 
Be sure to rate, review, and share this podcast, and remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode.